Welcome to the Not A Genius Podcast. My name is Jesse Wynn. And my name is Josh Hutton. And we're here to talk about all things business, real estate, life. So, what's up, Josh? How's everything going with you, man? What's up, bro? Everything's good. We've been making money? Yeah. On Friday, 9, 9 to 9.30 in Middletown, we got our settlement. 9 to 9.30. Wow. Well, I heard we lost a couple deals this week. We've been calling our leads, getting leads in, working them. How's the life been? It's been good. I'm working on just being more disciplined. Um, I think I mentioned this to you earlier. I'm just working on um, deviating like what I'm thinking about in the moment. So like right here, I want to be fully present. And then when I go back to my house and start calling people, be fully present there and like do that in everything. That way I'm not just like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. And like overwhelmed and then not able to perform while I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it's crazy, man, because I've known you since you first got your real estate license. And that was just about six months ago. And it seems like your life now, you've leveled up several, several times in a matter of six months. It's kind of insane. So could you you know, share with me about the beginning of your real estate career and maybe even um, rewind a little bit before then as well? Yeah. So starting off, I graduated high school, moved to Delaware. I was going to Dell Tech. I was doing Instacart where you deliver groceries. And I just listened to a lot of uh, music and one day that just got so boring because I listened to every song I could possibly listen to. And then I was like, why don't I listen to a podcast? So I started listening to Joe Rogan. And then I ended up listening to like every single Joe Rogan podcast. And I was like, I like this way more than music because I'm actually learning things. So like, what else can I learn? And I just like typed in real estate. And then I found the Bigger Pockets podcast. So you just typed in real estate. How did you come across typing up real estate? Dude, I was literally just like mid dropping groceries off and I'm like, like the episode just ended and I was like, dude, like what else can I learn? And I don't know why, but I just thought of real estate and I just typed that in. I played some random podcast. I was bored and then I, and then I clicked on bigger pockets. What month was that? I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. It was like towards the winter, the fall of last year. So that was in 20, I would say that was in like the fall of 2020. So two, it was actually two years ago. Seriously? So yeah. So wow. was then, I, then I just started listening every single day and started taking notes. I started writing addresses down. I never actually called any of those people and I probably should. But yeah, so I was working Instacart and then I was going to school. And, and then I got a job working at Walmart and I would just grind that out. I was grinding bigger pockets out because it was like, I was working like 50 plus hours a week. Mm -hmm. And for about like 40 of those hours, I'm just completely by myself in a warehouse. So I would just put my earbuds in, listen to bigger pockets. And then I realized that, um, so I was going to school for, to be a physical therapist assistant which is like a cool job, but there's really not a lot of money in it unless I was to get my physical therapist license. So I realized that I could either go to school for another two years and come out making whatever I was going to make 
or I could just like work at Walmart and work overtime. And I was getting paid like probably like 10 to 15 grand more. Um, than the PT assistant, than the PT assistant. And then I would have to go to school for two years and pay for that tuition. This is crazy because <laughs> the first time that we first met was February like 15th of 2022. And you never told me any of this before. Really? And it's uncanny because that's really similar to my story. Really? Yeah. Like I could, was thinking about going to Boston and I was thinking about studying nutritional sciences. Really? Then, oh, dude, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then what happened was I read Rigid Dad, Poor Dad, mm -hmm. and that led me to not going to Boston and staying in Delaware. Uh -huh. And I was already cutting grass and had the entrepreneurial spirit, and that led me to listen to Bigger Pockets as well, and me also doing driving for dollars, doing a similar thing, and getting my real estate license a little while afterwards. So I didn't know that it took you two years to pull the trigger to then becoming a realtor. I thought you listened to it like no. last summer. Then somehow you, like tell me how did you come about the conclusion of I want to be a realtor? Or how did that cross your mind that you wanted to take this real estate, that you wanted to test for your real estate license to be a realtor? And yeah, that's so... Good. In bigger pockets, they always talk about um, just connecting with your sphere and anyone that you know is in real estate, regardless of what they do, to like just ask them about it and try and get more information about it. So I remembered one of my track coaches. This was like one day he showed up late to practice. Out of all four years I did track, one day he showed up late to practice, and we were all like making fun of him, and we were like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, like I was just finishing up work on this flip I'm doing." And we're like, oh, yeah, you don't flip houses. And like, that was the end of it. But I just remembered that one interaction. So I called him up. I'm like, hey, D Smith, I want to get involved in real estate. Like, I know you flip houses. What do you think I should do? And he was like, you should get your real estate license. And when he said that, it kind of like, I was like, I'm not going to get my real estate license. Because they also talk about how you don't need to get your real estate license to be a real estate investor. And for, probably like three to four months i was just like should i do it should i not do it should i do it should i not do it and then one day i was talking with my mom and she was like well what's the worst that could happen if you got it like you're, you spend a grand on a course you get your get your license pay some fees don't sell any houses like at least you learn something so then i ended up signing up for the ce shop took me about i want to say two to three months to finish the course. Then I passed my test. And then about a month later, I got my license. And I had zero intention of being like an agent and helping out people. I just wanted access to the MLS, which I, I know now is like not as good as you think it is. Um, so I was still working at Walmart. And then I think it was January 14th, maybe. That's when I got in my snowboarding accident. And that was like really hard for me because in February or end of February, beginning of March, I was going to be at two years work history. And then I was going to get my first house. 
and then I was going to start. So when that accident happened, I realized that I'm not going to be able to work anymore because my job was like super physical, like 10 hours a day, nights, throwing 40 pound boxes, like 4,000 a night. 4,000 boxes. 4, 000, that was our like quota for the night. So did you break a sweat? Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was brutal. And like, that's partly why we made, we didn't make a lot of money, but for like a job that you didn't need a degree, it's probably like the highest paying job in all of Delaware, just because no one wants to do it. It's, it just really sucks. So yeah. So I was just sitting in the hospital. I'm like, I didn't have any health insurance either. I remember one night it was like rough. Like, I'm like, all right, I've been working for two years straight. I dropped out of college. I'm like, I should be buying my first house in like two months, but I'm probably not going to be able to because I'm not going to be able to work for like six months. Um, I can't get, uh, what's it called? Disability. Because, so you needed to work a year. And I was like two months out. So I wasn't able to get any payment. Um, And I was like, there's one point where I just started bawling my eyes out. And then I met my roommate, like my roommate, like calmed me down. And, and then things ended up like turning around and it was like the best thing that ever happened to me. Dang, that sounds amazing. Like, yeah, in the most weird way possible, you know, you got set back so hard and to see what you're doing today, like. It's just a really long journey and a lot of things to talk about that we may not be able to cover everything in this show today, but I kind of just want to break it down and talk about that experience from the point that you realized you couldn't do any of the things that you had planned for yourself and that you wanted to accomplish and achieve in the next couple months. And then can you tell me about like what happened? Like how did your life essentially turn around from the point of such a low low of being in the hospital or having you know broken rib broken wrist or something like that from the snowboard accident and then like how did you grow from that experience so probably two weeks after that accident happened i got my license and immediately i was like all right well i'm not gonna be working this is like i guess this is what i'm doing so then I just started researching how to be like a top agent. And I came to the conclusion that you got to like go out and find people. So I did that with being an agent, but I also did that with investors. So what I did was I went on bigger pockets. I looked up like Newark, Newcastle, Wilmington. Newcastle County, and I found everyone in on the Bigger Pockets website that was in like my area, and I messaged every single person, and no one responded. Maybe like two people, and I'm like, all right, well, it's probably because like no one really checks us. So then I found every single person's Facebook, <laughs> and then I messaged all of them, and then I ended up like meeting some people, and then um. I just continued to meet with people, continued to like put myself out there, mentioned that I'm real estate. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Can you talk about like what have, what were some of the most impactful relationships that you made within that month of February when you first began? Yeah, definitely. So let's see. So there's probably two, you being one of them. Um, so I stopped going to church when I moved to Delaware. And it was just because the, the church environment that I was in before, it was kind of forced. And I felt like a lot of people were closed-minded. And I just didn't want to be around that. But through like reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, really, uh, one of the things they say is you can develop develop yourself like physically, mentally, emotionally. But if you're not developing yourself spiritually, then like you're going to be lopsided. So Pastor Jesse came to our house for like a dinner and I was like thinking about going back to church because I knew that whether or not I wanted to like pursue, I guess, Christianity, the only way to develop spiritually was to like actually do something about it. So I'm like, all right, maybe I'll go back to church. And then Pastor Jesse was like, hey, Josh, you should, you should come to church. There's no realtors there. So then I was like, all right, so I'll go. So the first day I went after the service, I was just like talking to my parents. And then I think Glenn approached me and he was like, just talking to me and he's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a real estate agent. Even though I got my license like three days, <laughs> three days from that day. And he's like, oh, no way. My roommate does real estate. And that's all he said. And he's like, you guys should connect. And I was like, okay. So then I ended up messaging you. And you had like... By the way, Glenn was my roommate. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Uh, so I looked on your Instagram and like, I mean, you had like no followers and like no posts. And I was like, bro, like he does real estate. Like I wonder like what Glenn meant by that. Cause like, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot going on. No offense. No, I was just posting yeah. me, myself and I. So, friends. but then I saw, I saw the picture of you and Brandon Turner and I was like, wait, what? So I was like, all right, maybe this dude's legit. So then we ended up meeting for sushi and it was really funny because I was just like, oh, what do you do? And then for like 15 minutes straight, it was like, oh, I've done this. I do this. I do this. I do this. <laughs> and then you were like, so what do you do, bro? And I was like, oh, I got my real estate license two weeks ago. But uh, I mean, and then from there, like you mentioned how you like my social media and you wanted, you're like, hey, like, if you could help me do this, then I could help you as an agent. And I was like, dude, literally, it's not me. It's my brother. Like, he does all the editing. And, like, that's why it looks so good. So then you're like, all right, maybe we should talk with your brother. And then I, I want to say, like, a week from that day, you came to our house. We filmed some reels. And then, like... And then you got the office, and then I remember in the office, um, we were just chilling there, and he's like, you were like, oh, yeah, like, I have this house you want to list, or you can list. And, like, but you said it so nonchalantly, and I was just like, wait, what? And you're like, I can list? I was like, I can list it? And then, like, that was my first listing, and then it's just been a snowball from there. Yeah. 
So there's like a number of things that you did incredibly well from the point that I met you and even before then. But like I kind of want to go back, pull back a little bit and talk about what you met earlier when you said you were surrounded by people who were closed-minded. And then what's the differentiation between closed-minded and open-mindedness? So when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was just like, wait, this is like the whole mindset. It was just like opened up to me. And I just never saw that before. And I felt like a lot of the people I was around, they weren't thinking that way. Not because for any fault of their own, but it was just like, that was not a common thing. And there's this one quote, you are who you surround yourself with, or like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So that kind of stopped me from, like I became very careful of who I spend my time with. Well, that's really good, man. Um, and I, I think I was overly cautious because like, I mean, I still have my friends from back home and like, they'll always be my friends. Um, but like in terms of making friends in Delaware, I was like very, I want to say like scared to become too close with people that weren't, I guess, on the path that I wanted to be on because I knew that it would stunt me. Do you feel like you're still holding on to those feelings at this very moment? Or have you kind of grown beyond that and that you see that there are multiple fa- uh, multiple facets of your life in which people can contribute towards and you can have them be your average of five for those different facets? What do you think? Yeah, no, I would, I'd say I don't think like that anymore. Um, like, I mean, not that I wasn't friends with people, but I'll spend time with people regardless of like what they do. And I think it was kind of stupid of me to like not hang out with people because they weren't like pursuing financial freedom. And I definitely agree. Like a lot of my friends now, I'd say the majority of them are not trying to do what I'm doing, but like, there's always like, like I work out with them or like we go to church together, things like that, like other facets of life that we can grow together. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I feel like you inspired me and held me accountable towards in the way that when you first started in business, in real estate, in networking with other people, that you just reached out to anybody and everybody just to learn, just to find out. You just had this unending sense of curiosity. And I really enjoyed that you pursued wherever the door was open like you went to church even though you weren't really a believing follower of Christ at that moment. Um, you know, Glenn was brought into your life and then Glenn made that connection. You pursued that connection and you just dug into the details. And the way that you dug in, you kept on telling yourself there might be a little bit more. And that little itch of curiosity, I think, changed the entire game for you. And Honestly, the way that you also were not cocky and you were not the person to take all the credit for the things that have been produced on your Instagram, I think that was also a really big thing, like why I respected you so much 
from when we first met. I did. I took you pretty seriously, and I saw that. Okay, uh, in the beginning, you had told me whether it's investing or whether it's being a realtor. I just want to be the best that I possibly could be. Maybe even the best in the whole state of Delaware in the next five years, in the next ten years, whatever. You had really big, ambitious goals, and you were willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Work and grind to like um, no end, and you backed it up by putting in the work behind the scenes and actually doing the work, but actually networking and doing all the supplemental stuff. Like for me, like when I was a runner back in high school, it was not just doing the really. You were also a runner, and it was like it was not just doing the really big workouts, and it was not just no. doing fifty miles per week or sixty miles a week and training your legs to run the distance. But and it was not just the speed workouts, but it was also what did you do in the gym, mm -hmm. and then what did you do in terms of strengthening your joints, your yeah. muscles, just keeping yourself out of injury. And I think you did all those things in building up your business, in building up your brand, building up your lifestyle, mm -hmm. that it's not just work, 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 and create as much money, as much value as you possibly can, but surround yourself with people who can enrich other assets, of other life, yeah. facets of your life. For instance, your spiritual life, you know, you continuously go back to church, your relationship with your family, your, um, you realized within real estate that, hey, maybe working by myself, being a realtor is not the best thing. And you joined us being our acquisitions agent and learning from Kenny. In the entire time, across all the things that you've done, you've pursued education, you've pursued mentorship like I see myself as a mentor to you and very loosely like it's not anything super structured super formal as yeah. much as just like hey I've been here done that mm -hmm. and you value those things and you're one of the people who actually take what I say pretty seriously to heart and apply it you have your own opinions you have your own personality your own judgment you're not a pawn but you make your you take it with a grain of salt and you yeah. apply it to the way that fits within your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good. Thank you. Yeah, man. You're doing really, really awesome things. And um, it's only six months since you started doing business. Like, yeah. can you share with me a little bit more about, you know, when you first became a realtor, what was your streak like? And then what led you to um, think more about real estate investments rather than, you know, brokering the deals? So... Do you know when uh, North Madison closed? What day that was? Um, North Madison closed probably in April. April. I think it was like the end of April. So what is that? It took me two and a half, February, March, April. Yeah, two and a half months to get my first deal. And then the next month, I had four. That's still my best month to date. Um, and within that time... I kind of learned what I liked and I didn't like. Um, May was like I were I was I was working so much, and that was like my entire life, and I was super consistent and super disciplined, which like I'm slowly getting back to now, but um, I mean, I realized that being an agent. 
I like some aspects of it, but it it's not. What do you like specifically? Just interacting with people, like making friends. Like I was at my client's house the other day and it was just like cool talking to them. Like I love seeing how they're doing, how our kids are doing. Just building the relationship. Yeah. I like that aspect. Um, I I like I really like teaching people. So one of my favorite things is like explaining the process of buying and selling. Um, I don't like dealing with people, whether that's like negotiating. I really I really hate negotiating. You hate negotiating. Yeah. Um. Like dealing with agents, I really don't like that. Um, and then one thing I struggle with is also is the emotional aspect of buying and selling for non-investors. Um, not to use this as an excuse, but I'm like not really that empathetic of a person. And I kind of just see more like numbers and it's like, all right, you wanted a pool, you wanted a garage. It has this, but like, like, why aren't you interested? You know? Yeah. You just don't understand how is this bedroom not big enough? Yeah. Or like, why do you need a three-car garage when you only own two? Yeah. So, I'm, so I can like handle that. I I don't I wouldn't say I'm the best at it, but it definitely takes a lot out of me. Yeah. Like a lot of just. It's draining. Like yeah. yeah, a lot of stress. So that month of May, I was super stressed out, and working like. That was my entire life. It didn't make you that happy, huh? So that that's that's kind of that's exactly what I found out. I was like, wait a minute. So I just had on paper the most successful month like of my life. And yet I am not any happier. I don't feel any more fulfilled. I like it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought that when I'm closing deals left and right, when I'm getting all these paychecks, when like my clients are happy, I would be like more motivated, more disciplined, more happy. Um, and that wasn't the case. And one part of it is just because being an agent isn't what I'm like most passionate about. Another big part of it, though, is like time management because I was super in the month of May. I don't think I did anything that I actually wanted to do. Like I like working out. But. That would like that's probably the only thing I could say that I like look forward to. But the thing is, I was like sleeping for six hours, waking up at like four o'clock in the morning, going to the gym and then like just having a brutal workout and it wasn't fun. So I realized like, yeah, you can have money and success, but that doesn't actually equate to how you feel about your life, how happy you are. Um, because if it's not like what you're passionate about, then you're just going to be like, not, there's going to be something missing. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I think you made a lot of really good points. And I remember when you first told me 
man, the money's not it. Like, you tell me that my entire career, like everything, my entire world is like flipping upside down because I really thought that I would be a lot happier because I was making more money. I was producing more. I was getting to that level where if I just kept on going, I'd be the most successful realtor or most successful business person in the whole state. And I totally believe like, if I wouldn't say that. I wasn't. I don't, I, I don't know if you'd be like the most successful. You like you definitely need to like learn how to scale. But you are definitely going to be a super successful first year realtor. Yeah. If you just kept on what you were doing, grinding, doing all the cold calling, because I know how hard, you know, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into cold calling these yeah. random people. Um, you know, hitting a routine schedule, getting the training necessary mm. to essentially be a very effective cold caller and to source these leads out of knowing nobody in this unknown place that you literally just moved to within the last year. It's, it's nuts. Um, so you knew what the formula was essentially to being successful. Yeah. But that's not enough. That's what you're telling me. You're telling me that in addition to chasing after success, real success is Real success is a combination of having all these other areas of your life also balanced, also yeah. fulfilled, also met and exceeded at a high level. So it's not enough just to be a successful business person. It is not enough to just be work heavy, produce as much money as you possibly can. Because at the end of the day, as cliche as it sounds, money doesn't buy happiness. But... What can I say? Um, it yeah, it does help, but it it won't make you happy. I mean, you joined our team, the Upper Room Group, as an acquisitions agent. I mean, you got to go to my wedding. You got to go to Vegas with us. I don't know. Could you compare and contrast like what your experience has been like working on a team or working with other people who are super passionate, or what do you feel like that dynamic is? now versus when you're working solo so working i've also realized this about myself i'm a team player um and just i was i felt i was so lonely to be honest for like that for uh, that time period because it was just like totally solo um and I mean, I love, like, talking to Kenny, and he's like, yo, bro, like, call this lady. <laughs> like, I like the team aspect. And I don't think I'm at the point where, like, I I really have my own vision of something to work towards. But being a part of something, a team that has it, is good for me right now, I think. Yeah, I feel really similarly because I didn't have the greatest vision when I was 19, 20 years old. I'm not that old. I'm literally just 23 years old. And even for most of my 22s, did not have my own vision. And that was okay. Like I had a very short vision, similar to how you had a short vision of being a realtor, yeah, making money, helping people. Like that was great and everything. And in my, you know, 20, 21 year, um, I accumulate assets 
built up the portfolio and i was like then what what else is there to do mm-hmm. it's just like okay working by myself but yeah. it was nothing great and then the whole experience of you know coming together with kenny and building this upper room group company and then you know having you and having caleb and having these other people join us in our organization mm-hmm. so even with my partner that is like awesome because i love like you have someone you have feedback and you have other people's ideas and they hold you accountable yeah so what i was saying about you know having the vision working with other people as well like even for myself when i went to the my mastermind last summer and a month or two later i was talking to taro my friend um who has flipped 60 million dollars worth of real estate which is incredible super successful the last 10 years he wanted to start up a hard money lending company and i would be the first loan officer and you know make a couple commissions here and there sell some hard money loans do some hard money loans for my own company which is totally cool he let me do my own thing and i think that exposed me to the freedom and liberation of working with other people but at the same time being able to work on your own side projects on the side and having the support of a leader and not of a dictator to just be solely focused on their vision i think that's something that comes with an abundant mindset and not being afraid that there is so much scarcity in the world when there really is not that's a false belief that's a limiting belief at the end of the day um i really appreciate taro for showing me that he basically was an example to me of what it was like to be a leader to somebody who had their own things had their own visions going on and that inspired me in my own organization to empower other people to think bigger Mm -hmm. and not that working in our organization is not big but it's a mission on the side it's a mission on its own and then you may have your own personal mission, your own gifts, your own talents from God that he wants you to take to the next level in something else possibly. And this could be a stepping stone. Who knows? We don't know if you'll be with the Upper Room Group forever, but I'm sure we can be friends and we can have a relationship forever. And that goes to show, you know, everything in life sometimes comes and goes for a season, but there's a reason for the season yeah i think that's like the most cliche thing i've heard from like a sermon there's a reason for the season there's a reason for a season and for the time being like i take everything one day at a time i don't expect you to leave tomorrow or to tell me you want to go work on your own thing as much as like hey let's just take it slow and we'll see where is the best fit within our organization for you we continue to train you build you up make you stronger and you go 100 percent in whatever you try at. And I think that's the company culture that we are trying to attract is whoever is there, whoever is in our organization, whatever place that they're in, is that they're trying their best wherever they are and that wherever they go to next, we just want them to be 100%. Yeah, and be and successful on that. Yeah, and we don't want to hold people back from mm-hmm. their ultimate potential that God has designed them to be a part of. Because at the end of the day, who are we to hold people back from their potential? And if there is more potential within our company, whether we want to hire for a CEO or we hire for a COO and we have 
greater roles and that you think that you're a better fit being part of an organization like this and it checks off your lifestyle needs, it checks off your financial needs, then sometimes you don't really need to start your own thing. Yeah. And I think that's totally okay because I know of a lot of great business leaders who are working in um, in organizations as entrepreneurs versus entrepreneurs, which is still empowering. Mm-hmm. You still learn a whole lot. You take less risk and I think that's what life is sometimes is balancing your risk yeah like you see how many houses that me and kenny are currently flipping and we're not saying that to boast as much as like oh you just listed one of our properties that was complete in shambles you walk through you make your instagram real you get bit by a couple fleas fleas fleas, not ticks yeah Yeah, i'm just like i'm really sorry about that (laughs) but we take we're able to take that property off of our books mm-hmm. reduce the risk make a little bit of cash yeah. without having to do any work like that's a win mm-hmm. in itself and i think you know by you being observant of what we're doing today and what we're doing in our business learning day by day you're learning with us don't feel like we're learning something totally different and you're off to the side right yeah. as much as you're learning on our dime and i think that's still empowering and that's still lower risk and a lot of people feel like they need to leave their jobs completely, pursue something wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. and then put everything on the line. And really, like, yeah, I see where they're coming from, but I don't always think that's the best route to go. Yeah, I didn't know that in the very beginning. I thought it was just like you just cut your ties and you know, yeah, cut off your parachute, you go down, you build a new parachute. <laughs> but I would, I would say though, I mean, a lot of jobs you do need to cut your ties because it's probably, it could be holding you back. Yeah. But I mean, it's dependent on a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, so you went from working for Walmart and now you're working with the upper room group. I guess like you went from working for to working with, can you talk to me about like your experience in both those organizations? How do they contrast one another? And like, if you were to ever build your own company, I guess like you don't really have the necessarily the vision of like what that would be like in mm-hmm. terms of what you guys would do. Yeah. But what would you want it to, to be, be like? Okay. So the biggest thing and the reason why I'm glad that I don't work there anymore is because the complaining. And that's one thing if I was ever to start my own organization, um, is just make a culture of people who are there to work and give ideas to make it better. But I just, there would be so many nights where it was just like, Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. Like I would come in super happy and then I would leave all like in a bad mood. So I I guess morale, like I really want the morale to be high and for everyone to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Because like the department I was in, um, I found out later, it was only there to just make our numbers look better. Like it wasn't actually helping the production of Walmart. So like once we found that out, we were just like, bro, why are we even doing this? What do you mean make the numbers look better? So they count the amount of tot, like boxes that go through the warehouse. So there is... So basically... <laughs> 
I mean, there probably there is a justification for like some packages, but basically the product comes in on a pallet, right? Then they break the pallet off and then they go into our, my department. Then we throw every single box off a pallet. Then it goes to the other end of the warehouse and then they put the boxes back on the pallet. So the reason for that is that like, maybe there's 45 on a pallet and a company ordered 20. So that's why, that's why they do that, right? But it, may, it just, wouldn't it make more sense to just take 25 off? But by taking 25 off, that's 25 less boxes that technically went through the warehouse. So it's kind of like shooting the ball at the backboard and catching your own rebound and then tossing it back at the backboard. And and now and you gave yourself your an assist. Yeah. So that's, so like have a company where everything a person does, they know why they're doing it and it actually like gets the ball across the field. Um, that's, that's probably the biggest thing. And also like a company where you can provide feedback and it'll be taken seriously. Um, but people is a big thing. Like just people that are happy yeah. and don't dread to go into work. And there's not always like drama. I'm not entirely sure how to go about that. And I guess like the, the main thing is have a purpose that everyone is like, okay, I can I can get behind this. And then when when you delegate whatever work they're doing, like, okay, I see why I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh, that's super awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really glad that we started this podcast. I just wanted you to talk more about, hey, what do you want to see with this podcast? What is your vision for this? And what do you think we can do with it? So for me, I I don't really care if this like how the numbers go at all. Like if we get the views, like that is irrelevant to me. And that's like not why I want to be a part of it whatsoever. Um, I really just want to delegate like an hour of my time every single week to talk to people that are doing different things and just learn from them and then build, build relationships with them. Yeah. That's, that's where I see the podcast going. Um, yeah. And if because, God, God, if God decides to enrich this podcast with more viewers and give us a <laughs> lot more things than we had originally anticipated. And he gives us even bigger guests that, wow, we're going to need to accommodate for brings us to places like we're going to take up those challenges and try to steward them well. Mm -hmm. Right. So, wherever it goes we're going to make the best of the situation right? yeah yeah but it's pretty cool like now i'm gonna have an hour every single week where i'm just learning from people that are killing it and another big thing that i want is accountability because i know that i haven't done a lot not to like put myself down but I don't really think I'm qualified enough to like talk about these like big ideas because I haven't actually done any of it. So I'd like to use a podcast as almost accountability for like, all right, like you just talk with this dude, he taught you this, 
how am I going to implement that into what I'm doing? And then one day have the knowledge, experience, and background to relay that information to other people. It's kind of like when you first met me and we were at Mickey Moto's eating sushi for lunch back in February. The hairy Mexican, bro. The hairy, That's still my favorite role. The hairy Mexican role. Go check it out in the city of Wilmington. No free advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminds me back when you had first got me out there. It's like you didn't really have anything that I knew that would be valuable to me necessarily as much as you had the curiosity to come talk about it. And you fit within my vision and my desire to help other people out, to give, to find people who would take what I have to say seriously and apply it. And I think any really seasoned, experienced entrepreneur who, you know, is like a level eight mm. or above from, yeah. you know, out of 10, I think they just want to be heard and they want to be taken seriously when they share their ideas rather than, oh, they just talk. They just talk to a whole crowd of like college students in a room and none of them make anything with what they just said. And I feel like a lot of people may um, feel that way. I'm not saying that we bring on guests that feel unheard as much as just like, hey, let's just give them a platform, give them a medium. And we share this intention with our guests or with our viewers that this is essentially a place that we are here to give abundantly learn as much as we possibly can because at the end of the day i think that's what life is all about like aside from um serving and growing with other people and loving people it's also enriching your mind Mm -hmm. and doing that with other people i agree hopefully we can make that happen hopefully we can make that happen man so yeah tell me josh like how would you like to wrap up this podcast you want to give some closing remarks you want to share more about what you're trying to do by the end of this year tell us something that you want us to hold you accountable oh, to no. over the next okay. year let's All go right, so I want to buy two properties by the end of this year. So I have like, what, four months? Four months to buy two rental properties. Um, that's probably my main goal right now. I would also like to hit 4.42 mil in volume. Where are you currently? Agent. So in terms of closed, I'm at 1.7 under contract like another probably half so i'm probably at like 2.3 so i need to need another two i need, need another, another 1. two 8, right yeah 1.9 but i mean i'm more concerned about the two properties than i am the volume sure to be honest like that's really just because i've fa like that's what i'm passionate about and that's what like gets me excited in the morning and if i can help people buy and sell real estate then i'll do it to the best of my ability, but that's not like my end all be all. How about you? What goals do you have that we can hold you accountable? Me? This yeah. is your podcast, but I really appreciate it. So my goals 
for the end of this year. Well, we're running on a fiscal um, February to February schedule. So we got six months, not four. Hmm. So within the next six months, you're within our organization. So we want to be at 1.5 to 1.7. Oh, no, 1.5 to $2 million of gross revenue within our wholesaling and flipping business. And we have spent- Wait, starting when? Starting February of 2022 to February 2023. That was when Kenny and I's partnership first started. And we... And how up, much are you at? Uh, well, we're closing 75 grand of gross profits um, tomorrow. And then we have like another six properties that we have that were that are currently under construction. Two of them are complete. You know, we have the one house that's under contract with you that contributes to the to the number as well. We have some wholesale deals that are also on the side in the pipeline mm-hmm. doing 25, 30 grand, you know, rips. So I think we can do it if we go into overdrive over the next six months. We're about to start this new direct mail campaign. Yeah. Our internet leads are going off the chain. Like we literally just got like eight in the last two days, which is nuts. And if we don't hit 1.5 to 2 million bucks in gross revenue, I think that's okay. Uh, we have some properties that we're deciding to hold for, oh, I really apologize to all the guests if you guys are hearing a lawnmower in the background. Yeah. Holding it for Airbnb, right? We're holding them for long-term rental. So we have a duplex right now. And if we buy a couple of things for Airbnb, that'd be good too. So if we don't hit 1.5 to $2 million, the secondary goal would be 1.5 to $2 million bucks in revenue slash equity gained. Okay. And I think that would be fair. I think we're going to do really big things. And honestly, I just want this company to continuously evolve, have all the systems in place. So by the end of this year, Mm -hmm. I want there to be a defined system and process for every single role. Okay. And that there are people within the departments that are not me holding each other accountable Mm -hmm. to those systems and processes. So those are just my short-term goals at the moment. Those are just six months out, but and is that the like your main? That's my main baby. Main, main that's baby. my main baby right now because I thought I wanted to go buy commercial property and get into that game and be a lot bigger. Yeah. But I realized I can't split my focus upon things mm-hmm. that would take my fit. Well, that would take my focus away from my baby because I don't want to not be fully developed out in my systems and processes for my wholesale and flipping company when those same skills of follow through start to finish are the same skills that I would need in order to be successful in developing out a private equity commercial property acquisition company as well. Mm -hmm. I think it would be the same principles, just another business, different context. And I just need to finish where I started. And honestly, we have a lot of great people in the right seats and we're continuously bringing them week by week or month by month into the door for us to have this awesome company we have the right mentors we just need to follow through with the information that we've been given yeah and with the accountability that we have so over time you know i'll keep you guys updated on what's going on in the upper room group that's the name of our acquisition company but so i do have one question what's up man so in terms of the coaching you have yeah 
I saw the Bokel Brothers. Is that what they're called? The Bokley Brothers? Bokley Brothers, yeah. So I saw their... Um, you saw their Instagram live? I just saw the clip of you, you talking about coaching. Yeah. And the amount of money you spend. Yeah, it's unreal, right? It's, over, do it's you, almost half my income. Do you think that it has... I guess, been worth it? Oh, 100%. 100%, okay. 100%. That's why I'm spending another, yeah. you know, low five figures <laughs> going to the Maui Mastermind. I love it. Yeah. I'll travel to the ends of the earth to go learn from big ballers and people, high quality people at the end of the day. Like, I don't want to learn from Brandon Turner or Tar Yarber because they're just ballers. And I don't want to be there just because there's cocky people who have done bigger and more successful things as much as I want to be around people that I like how they are fathers or mothers or parents or friends or sons or daughters, how good of a quality of a person they yeah. are in their Overall, entire life. Yeah. Rather than Just sacrifice everything. Account, yeah. Yeah. Rather than sacrificing everything to be a successful business person. That's not where, that's not where I want to be. Those are not the rooms that I want to be in. Yeah. So I might even spend more like my coaches right now in Atlanta. Shout out to Clinton Tyler. Uh, they spent over six figures. Really? <laughs> they spent over six figures and they've made over a million dollars in just their first year. And then this is their second year. They're shooting for three million. Wow. And they're renting out large office space, bringing on team members, bring on directors, other partners. Like they have a really, really big vision. I don't even know what their vision is, but they know what their vision is and they mm. know what people they need in order to get there. Clint was a millionaire before he even got into real estate. Wow. Because he was doing a sports betting business. And he got in, he hired the best coaches that he could possibly get a hold of, be in the right rooms, the right circles, and now he's exploding. Like this is only a year and a half in and his company is so structured. Like mm. I'm really grateful to call him and Tyler, my coaches. Wow. Any final thoughts? No, man. This is every single Friday released at 6 a.m. on Apple Podcasts. Spotify. Spotify. YouTube. YouTube. Peace. See you guys.